crypto? Robbie Michnick at BlackRock. He's a young kid. He came into BlackRock with the idea of creating a Bitcoin ETF. He orange pilled Larry. And I'm going to give Larry a lot of credit because Larry actually did the homework. Larry did the reversal. Larry was on the road to Damascus and converted as a result of being steeped in understanding exactly what it was and why it will be an international store of value. It takes a very smart leader to pridefully say that Bitcoin sucks and then 24 months later say, you know what, I've got this wrong. BlackRock needs to be a part of this and BlackRock needs awesome. to have a significant stake in it. So Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. And we've got a plethora of exciting topics to get into, Gonzo. We're going to be talking about OpenAI this morning, the Avalanche Network. We're also going to be breaking down Satoshi's latest emails and how he didn't did not create the term cryptocurrency. But I'd love to start the show with the video that we just broke down today. Robbie Michnick is the head of digital assets for BlackRock, and he's the one responsible for orange pilling Larry Fink. The conversation we're going to get into after introductions is this. When will he orange pill Larry about real cryptocurrencies? We're talking XRP, XLM, maybe even Ethereum smart contracts. But first of all, how are you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. I'm doing good, man. I'm a little tired. I, I worked uh, nights back to back. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it, that, that's going to be interesting. That was a good connection. We were talking about this morning, uh, you know, something that's kind of tangible. You have an employee who actually convinced him to kind of start the spot ETF who used to work at Ripple, you know, I'll go down that rabbit hole. I'll buy that. I'll take it, guys. And we got the cash flow king joining us as well. Andrew, how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. I think he froze on us. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon, everybody from uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, yeah, doing very well. You had an excellent weekend, although I had to do a lot of miles because I had to do some uh, in the in the southwestern of the netherlands some real estate stuff and then i had to go on the totally to the east coast near germany also do some stuff but uh, you know took some profits actually last uh, late last week in disney you know disney disney went down and now it's up again so you know everything is going great and uh, i'm looking also forward to a great show uh Epps gonzo nice to be here Thank you so much, Cashflow. And we already got 305 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to quickly go over the market cap. But first, we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers this morning, the market, it's up across the board. We've got Flare Token up 32% on the day. Gala's up 10%. VeChain up another 10%. We've also got tokens like Ethereum and Cosmos and Matic up about 5% on the day. When we look at our Merlin market update, guys, it is official. We have passed the $2 trillion mark. I am just realizing this right now. We are sitting at $2.03 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 51% dominance. Ethereum is about 18.5%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 52900 Ethereum is 3145 We've got Solana trading at 105 and XRP still trading at that 54 cent mark, Gonzo. 
before we get into our articles, I'm just realizing this right now. First of all, we broke $2 trillion. Shout out to Johnny Crypto. Me and him had a debate. Would it happen in the next two weeks? I guess it did, my friends. But Gonzo, you give me your thoughts. First of all, Ethereum's over $3,100. let us address that. Yeah, you know, it finally broke that $3,000 barrier. Um, when you think about the upgrade that's coming, it's not just like making the layer twos cheaper, but there are a lot of other upgrades that are coming in there that are creating some data availability and just some real big upgrades. That along with the spot ETF of Ethereum um, coming up in May, um, I think that Ethereum is going to run, right? there. If you look at that, if you look at your chart abs, there's no resistance all the way up to 3,500. Right. There's really nothing there. There's a little bit there at the bottom of that peak. But, um, you know, what we've been talking about now for the last few weeks, that Ethereum is going to wake up. The Ethereum Bitcoin pair has woken up. It's kind of moving. It's breaking its support. Now, we kind of have to still have to watch it, because if you watch Waters Above, part of the Patreon, like he believes something's coming in March. Right. Which there's a lot of confluence with the back term the bank term funding program ending and these banks being insolvent. And usually, usually they cut rates because something bad happens, right? And I've been talking about this for a while that we won't get an alt season until we get the Fed creating a looser monetary policy, which means them cutting rates. The market's pricing that in in the summer, but it keeps getting pushed out. Eventually, the market's going to price that out if they believe that he's not going to cut rates. And then what's going to happen, it's going to take a major collapse of something for them to all of a sudden just cut rates and then all is going to pop off if you look at the total three like we've broken kind of like this range that we've been in and now we're kind of back testing it as support so uh, I, I see nothing but good things the cryptoverse is live and well it's really not about the crypto market or the cryptoverse it's more about the macro if anything's going to bring us down a little bit but anything that comes down now is just a buying opportunity that's the way i'm looking at it I agree with you, Gonzo, and there's tons of projects that are in extreme profitability. When we look at AI tokens, gaming, we've even seen a lot of the top 100 tokens triple or quadruple in market cap just since last October. This is another project that's been performing extremely well, Andrew, is Flare has passed Algorand in total market cap this morning. I thought that was pretty interesting, and I do want to go to you first on this next Ripple article, but give me some thoughts on Flare passing up Algorand during 2024's quote unquote, not even, we're not even in an alt season yet. It's pretty unbelievable. Mm, for Flare, I'm not so sure yet because Algo is a pretty good coin. And Flare, of course, you know, that supports the, 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 the smart contracts in an, uh, in an XRP environment. Of course, we all know about the, the Flare airdrop. Uh, what was it? Two and a half years ago. And uh, then, you know, we all had our coins on the wrong crypto exchange and they all promised yeah you will get your flare coins now i'm still waiting for my flare coins but you know um diversification is key and uh yeah take advantage of the of the movement i mean we are in a pretty good movement at this moment what you see is we had two trillion market cap and that translates indeed into higher uh, uh, uh crypto prices because if demand goes up you know and, and, and the price, prices go up. So we are in a pretty good uh, situation at the moment. However, keep in mind how to manage your stop loss orders and, and, and work from there. And, you know, you can take your profits uh, on the way up and, 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 and enjoy uh, some price movements down to get uh, 
new uh, buying opportunities. So, I agree with yeah. you, Cashflow. And when I look at the Flare price chart, it's very clear that it's been nothing but bullish momentum over these last six months. But it's like you said, if you don't take profit on the way up, you're going to get caught on the back end. That's exactly why we talk about Merlin every single day. Having price targets you're executing doesn't mean you're selling all of your tokens at three and a half cents or five cents for Flare. It means you're taking one to two to 5% off the table. That way you can put it back in the market when these prices are significantly lower. We got 480 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and throw a one in the live chat if you hold Flare right now. Throw a two in the live chat if you don't care. But we're going to break down this next video connecting Larry Fink and Ripple, especially when it comes to their ETF discussions. Gonzo, I'd love to start with you after this clip. Here's 30 seconds. Here we go. This. Will you do another ETF? How about an XRP ETF? I know you got e Ether out there. I, we, How about XRP? Can we, you answer that? I can't. We, How about XRP? Can we, you answer that? I can't. <laughs> Are you in talks with the largest issuers, particularly BlackRock, to get this done? Well, uh, I'm not going to comment on that. I know BlackRock has said some things publicly. Uh, you know, we think it makes sense for the XRP community overall. Boom, mic drop moment there, Gonzo. But when you think about the video we played at the beginning of the episode, what did Scaramucci break down? That Larry Fink was educated about Bitcoin from a former Ripple board member who is now the head of digital assets at BlackRock. Those are some serious connections. What do you take away from Larry and Brad's reaction? Look, I, I hope that that narrative catches fire and it moves the price action up, right? But in reality, like the facts are this is that even on the Ethereum ETF, we don't have discussion between the SEC and the applications, right? Remember how all of a sudden we had all these news stories about Kathy Woods and the different applicants in the Bitcoin ETF, where there was conversations with the SEC, they wanted to change this, they wanted to do this. We haven't seen that yet with Ethereum. So if we're not gonna get one in Ethereum, I don't know if we're gonna get one in XRP, but to be honest with you, it doesn't matter because people don't look at the facts or the data. It's the narrative and the emotion. So if that story catches fire, it will pour people into XRP and it'll push the price action up. But the facts are this, is that there is no discussion going on right now with the Ethereum ETF. And we don't know if we're going to get that. Now, it's not stopping the price of Ethereum to move up because it's a narrative, right? It's an attention market. It's super speculative. And Ethereum is going to continue to go up. And I've said this before. It doesn't matter if they approve the spot ETF or not. It's the narrative of them approving it that's going to push price action up. So if we get that in XRP, you're going to see something similar. Andrew Castle, I've got a great video corresponding to the Ethereum narrative. So I'd love to get your response. And then we'll play this video from Grayscale. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think we see uh, sooner? And an Ethereum ETF or an XRP ETF? And I think it, it will be an Ethereum ETF. And what you say is right. I, I agree with you. It doesn't matter, you know? And I was I was also thinking the other day about, about crypto and, and, and bullets and, and storage and, 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 and seed phrases. What you see is more and more uh, stock exchanges are selling Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, just like it are like they are stocks. And if you if you choose a major stock exchange, you can also buy. If you think it's difficult for me to to get into a, a wallet and to get in a cryptocurrency exchange, and you know, if you and if you have a little bit of experience with stock trading, you can trade your uh, your crypto also on a with a stockbroker. And I would highly recommend to to have a look at it just as a beginning to get used to get used to the feeling of being in there. 
So you can buy your, your Ethereum, you can buy your Bitcoin, you can buy your XRP there. Uh, you know, just start with it, start small and, and, and build it up and, and wrap your head around the new, uh, yeah, this new system, especially when you're new in crypto. I think there are opportunities enough and it gets easier and easier to get in. And that also, uh, yeah, uh, fuels the, the narrative or, or gives you more motivation in the market to, to buy. So threshold is getting lower to get into crypto and it will only drive up the, drive up the prices. Thank you, Cashflow. And this is an interesting video that talking about an XRP, sorry, an Ethereum ETF being launched in the USA. And the reason this is important is because once an Ethereum product is launched, the SEC is basically out of excuses to not approve other altcoin products in the USA. Let's listen to Grayscale's employee and talk about it. Here we go. Um, an Ethereum, spot Ethereum ETF is a matter of when, not a matter of if. And, uh, and you say that because with such confidence. <laughs> I say that with confidence because my team has been doing the tough work to move this industry forward, work constructively with regulators, focus on you know disclosure, investor protections. And um, that's been true for Bitcoin. Proud of the work we did with GBTC. And now- Do yeah, you think, you look, it, it took a lawsuit. So we'll see what happens here because remember this, guys. Grayscale, the only reason, or sorry, the SEC, the only reason that they approved a Bitcoin product was because they were taken to court and lost on multiple occasions. But Gonzo, before I get your thoughts, I'd love to give some stats about how quickly things can change here. Just in 2020 alone, we only had 30 countries that were interested in developing a CBDC. Now we have 130 countries worldwide exploring a central bank digital currency. Many of these are some of the biggest economies on the planet. As the Bank of England, we have Japan. And even the U.S. is running retail CBDC pilots in our country. With only 30 countries considering a CBDC as of May in 2020, about 64 countries are currently in the advanced phase of exploration. G20 nations, 19 of them, sorry, out of G20 nations, 19 of them are reportedly in the advanced stage with nine of them already in pilot. 11 countries have so far launched a central bank digital currency and Ripple has been one of the leading providers as its CBDC platform offers an all-in-one solution that can provide governments with everything they need to deploy and maintain a reliable CBDC. And it reminds me of the video we played from James Wallace last week, Gonzo, where he said all of Ripple's CBDC products are built and implemented on the XRPL. That is good for XRP holders out there. What are some of your takeaways with how quickly things can change? Remember, Three years ago, well, four years ago now, only 30 countries would even consider a CBDC. Now, just 48 months later, 130 countries are developing them and 40 are partnered with Ripple. So that's pretty exciting. What's your biggest takeaway on how quickly sentiment can change? Dude, it could, it could shift on a dime. Look at look at Uniswap, right? Like the chart has been crushed. We, like all the other charts had started to break that major trend line, bear market trend line and run. All it took was the one story over the weekend about the governance proposal, right? That Uniswap finally feels comfortable in this regulatory environment for a U.S.-based company to now start talking about passing a governance proposal that's actually going to share revenue. Now, look, when you look at the numbers on Uniswap, it's not like it's going to make their Uniswap holders rich, but it's a shift, right? Because all of a sudden now all the other governance tokens, not just in DeFi, but anyone that has a governance token now has to rethink their tokenomics if they want to keep up with Uniswap, right? We saw the same thing in uh, Gala, right? Gala's coming out with their own DEX that's on-chain. Look at the price action. So all it takes is a, a narrative, a story that catches people's attention, and price action can move on a dime. 
It's a narrative-driven market, and that's why we like to focus on the ETF, Gonzo, because I think when the ETF is launched in the USA, of course, this is a global market, but the amount of liquidity that these companies can raise just by calling their friends, it's unbelievable. Scaramucci in that original clip that we played got a call from Larry Fink and BlackRock. He wrote them a $10 million check and said, good luck with your spot ETF. Imagine when those calls are being made about altcoins and many of these projects total market cap is like 3 billion, 5 billion. If you're talking about an elite altcoin, if you're talking about a low cap, nobody even really knows what we could experience over these next few years. Andrew, what are some of your thoughts and we'll move forward. Actually, I wanted to say something about the CDBC. What I noticed here in Europe, of course, the, the, the European Central Bank also wants to, uh, to create the CDBC. But I also see some resistance about it. Because, and the resistance is not so much coming only from the public, but also from local and regional banks. Because what can be the issue if you say, I hold a bank account at a regional bank, and the... The, the, the European Central Bank also will provide wallets where you can put uh, uh, CDBC money in. I can move all my money from my regional bank into my CDBC account. And that means if a, if a regional bank would do a little bit you know, uh, less good, you know, or they will be, uh, 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 yeah, their, their business is going a little bit down and, and you get fear Normally, you cannot pull all your money out of a bank. But now it will be one push of a button and you move all your money from a, a regional bank into a, a CDBC bank, which is a central bank. And now we see that, that regional banks are starting to realize that actually CDBC is also a threat for regional banks because they can be taken out of business in this way. So... I just wanted to mention it. It is a new new sound or new voice that I hear here in in Europe. So I'm wondering what will be in uh, what will happen in future. But you know, keep it in mind. The last word has not been said about the introduction of CDBCs. They are now talking here about yeah, your CDBC wallet may only contain three thousand euros, which is more or less three thousand uh, dollars, because it is a, uh, a replacement of cash. And so, you know, you see, um, especially also the alternative media is talking here a lot about CDBCs and, and, and what, what can be done with it. So I think there will be interesting developments, not only in the US, but also in Europe and maybe also other uh, uh, continents. I agree with you, Andrew. And one of the narratives I'm seeing arising right now is the fact that they're talking about how a CBDC could enhance the capabilities of the dollar. So that's what I think is an interesting narrative, right? Obviously, I don't believe it. That's not what I'm, I'm, I don't agree with that concept. I think a central bank digital currency isn't even money. I think it's something completely different. But that's a narrative we're going to see online is use a CBDC. You're, you can get all these new enhancements. We can track this for you. We can give you these discounts. We can enable these, you know, exclusive access deals. That's the type of stuff we're going to see. And if people are unaware, they're going to fall for the madness. But guys, we got 497 live listeners here. Show us some love, smash that like button, and this is something I'm excited to get into, Gonzo, the Satoshi emails that were revealed this weekend. Before we even get into this, this great article, because we're going to break down an entire article about it, I wanted to start off with the connections between Satoshi and Ripple within these newfound emails. It seems like we can't do any big story without having some Ripple board member or Ripple concept connected. Am I right here? So the idea is that uh, this person was e Ryan Fugger was emailing Satoshi, and I believe this took place back in twenty, sorry, two thousand nine. 
So this is an email with Satoshi from 2009. He said, are you familiar with Ripple? As trust systems go, Ripple is unique in spreading trust around rather than, than concentrating it. I've been asked about Ripple at least four other times. Have you heard of Ripple? Pretty interesting. And the person who tweeted this out is a very credible source. This is Emi Yasha Katao, and she works at Ripple, and she's the VP of Strategic Incentives Half of this is in Chinese. I think she works in San Francisco here and she's worked at Ripple since 2016. So this is not some conspiracy theorist pointing this stuff out on Twitter. It's a very credible for, credible source, kind of putting out some interesting connections. Here's another update from Satoshi. He said, Ripple is interesting in that it's the only other asset system that does something with trust besides concentrate it into a central server. Gonzo, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts and then we'll kick it to Cashflow. Yeah, you know, I think Satoshi recognized that when he says central server, it's kind of like the central bank, right? They were looking to create, if you think about it, they were looking to create a money system outside of the regular system because we know that the fiat system is broken, right? You can say what you want about Bitcoin, but when you look at the statistics after this spot ETF, there are more of these hedge funds, more of these family businesses, more of these asset managers that are putting more into Bitcoin than they are gold, right? And that's a shift. That's an actual shift because they're seeing that Bitcoin is maybe the next digital gold, right? And they don't want to miss out. And when you think about the fiat system and what's going on, Coach AV's made several videos about de-dollarization, the BRICS nations, they don't have a way out, right? They're going to continue to do this until they roll out their CBDC. And so the counter argument to that is Bitcoin, is the other cryptocurrencies, right? And so that's why we believe that we're going to have the bull run of all bull runs, right? Um, we've already seen something different in Bitcoin as far as breaking into the golden pocket. The one thing that we haven't seen is, you know, people keep calling for all-time highs, and I'm kind of answering the chat questions. We haven't seen that before, right? If we see an all-time high before the halving, it's something new. I still am leaning into some kind of event and some kind of correction into March, right? We saw this in the dot-com bubble. We, we this uh, um, Waters called this in his video on Sunday, the dot-com bubble to point to similar structure of what happened in 1999 with CHOP. We moved up from October to March, and then we had the correction. We're seeing very similar structure where Bitcoin or the markets broke out in October, and then now we have to see what happens in March. A lot of our questions are going to get answered in the next few weeks, right? Because the Bitcoin halving is in April. So we're going to know here real soon. Are we going to break all-time high before the halving? I don't think so. We haven't done it before. Is it possible? It's possible, right? But it's not probable just because we haven't done it before. But we have to pay attention to that and have an open mind to it. Here's what's a little bit shocking is that we're sitting here in the beginning of 2024. It's only February 26th. And the crypto market is over $2 trillion and Bitcoin alone, it's over $1.1 trillion in value. That I find to be very interesting because Gonzo, you said something, it's doing something that it's never done before. So let's spend just a moment here, kind of going over what we're seeing on the price chart and look at what it's done. It's already passed this. This is where the liquidity range was. If we were going to struggle, we would have struggled at these levels right here at this 39, 42,000. We blew through that and we're already trading in this very awkward range here at this $52,000 mark. And as our listeners can see, there's not very much trading volume, which means there's not a lot holding this thing back. I think we could see something interesting. I'm not bullish on, on breaking all-time high before the halving, but I am very bullish on the Bitcoin price chart for 2024. 
even if we see some sort of a short-term pullback, I think that $42,000 level is going to be a great zone of support. Quick rebuttal from you, Gonzo. What do you think? No, dude, look, overall bullish over the year, right? But when you look at the statistics, when you look at the chart data of what we've done in the halvings, we're going to get some type of correction, right? Somewhere between 20, 30%, depending on which cycle you look at. Sometimes we've got like a 40% correction, but it's fast, right? Like when you look at that weekly candle, it's a wick down and then back up. When you look at the daily, it literally happened in a matter of a day or two. So you have to have your kind of, you, you have to have your buys in there already. If you're getting into Bitcoin, if you're getting into altcoins, don't be afraid to put some money on exchange and put some buys at lower support levels, because if it corrects and it corrects significantly, it's going to get bought up really quick, but you might be able to get some of your buy orders in. Right. And so, I mean, that's what I'm doing, not financial advice, but you know, like I said, in the next few weeks, we're going to know, I know this though, it seems like it's happening faster and harder. So if we don't get a correction, right, if we don't go back and test the support, that's not good for Bitcoin. That's not good for its structure. If it continues to run like it's running, then it's almost like the Fed, right? We're pushing a bigger correction down the road, right? And so if we don't get it now to build structure and it just continues to run, then we're going to get some type of correction later on in the year. And it's going to be bigger than 20%, right? Because that's just the way that chart data works. That's just the way that Bitcoin works. So if we can get something in March, nothing crazy, right? But to backtest support, that builds structure to push us into the bull run. But if we keep moving up from here, it's way overheated. There is no structure. And then that leaves the, the, the ability for it to correct, you know, uh, to have a bigger correction. Andrew, and I think it's important because whatever happens with Bitcoin is it's going to determine what happens with the altcoins as well. What did we see just this weekend? Ethereum not only traded above 3100, it blew past those resistance zones on a Sunday. We're going to have a $3500 Ethereum probably sometime in March. So it's really really interesting that that the market is evolving so quickly, but I do think that what Gonzo's saying, the quicker the pump, the longer the dump. Use XRP's price chart as a reference. It's the most exaggerated version of that concept. So many of our listeners do understand. We got 544 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button if you're enjoying the program. I want to let our listeners know one thing. If a spot product is launched in the USA, the narrative alone will drive massive amounts of liquidity in. Doesn't even really matter what the product does for Ethereum, like how much demand is in the market. I think they're going to roll that thing out on CNBC, CNN, Fox Business, and all of these cryptocurrencies are going to pump for a short period of time before there's a liquidation event, just like Gonzo's talking about. But Andrew, I'd love to get some of your thoughts and we'll continue. Now, uh, you know, what I like to say is it is pretty exciting at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm working with the so-called stop loss orders uh, for, for Bitcoin and Ethereum because I'm already a long time in, in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I see at this moment, I see my, my, especially my Ethereum only going up. So I'm very cautious, but every day I increase my stop loss order a little bit. And the fun is that my, my potential profit is increasing every day with maybe 100, 200, 300 dollars. This is, this is so weird. And I think, oh, that's another dinner. Oh, that's another uh, nice uh, 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 weekend, weekend trip. Uh, oh, that's another this, that's another that. So, you know, be patient, sit on your hands, have your strategy, and also work with your you know, stop loss orders in a very uh, uh, yeah, professional way. And, and 
and and yeah, this is the way how you play this game. So I'm actually very excited. I'm not sure if we will see a, a new all-time high for Bitcoin uh, before the having. I actually don't believe it that it will happen, but who knows? And then I agree. So see also in this chart how fast Bitcoin can go down. You know, here you see in 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 several days. In the one is one is when was it April May in 2021? You know the price really jumped out of the window down, and then came back again. So isn't that weird? So it is it is so much full of opportunities. Learn to read a little bit of these charts and understand what's happening, and ignore all the all the noise of the cryptocurrencies exchanges because. Sometimes I get such weird, weird messages that they say, yo, today Bitcoin is up 3%, 3%. And the other day I get a message, yeah, Bitcoin really fall down. It is 4% down today. And I think, don't get it. You know, they only want to drive FOMO and fear and, and that, that you go in. It, 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 but if you see the context of such a chart of several months, you know, you get your emotional be uh, uh, rest you you get you you start understanding what's happening and you can yep. make better decisions andrew and here's something else i wanted to point out like we talk a lot about bitcoin ethereum and some of the bigger tokens if you go into the sectors in and of themselves this is how if you've never been through a crypto cycle write this down each market pumps in and of itself we will see gaming pump we'll see ai tokens pump we'll see nfts pump we'll see smart contract tokens pump like this is just kind of how money moves through the market during these cycles and I want to prepare our listeners for the AI narrative. These are tokens that have been trading and, you know, we've had some profitable trades, have some non-profitable trades. But one of the things I wanted to point out is that this space is going to explode. The total market cap is only $27.2 billion for all the AI tokens that exist in the market today. And I'm not going to tell anybody what I own. This is never financial advice. But if you want to look into a couple interesting concepts, Singularity Net, Fetch AI, Near protocol and render are very interesting. I also looked into GRT and what they're doing. It's a data storage company, so it's not as exciting, but there could be some utility involved in that project. Gonzo, I know you've been trading render for quite a while, and I just realized with 600 people here, let me know in the live chat of some projects that you're interested in. Show us some low cap, show us some AI tokens that you're interested in. But Gonzo, what do you think? Am I right about this thesis? AI tokens are going to pump, and whether you're holding, you know, fetch AI or near protocol. This whole market gets liquidity at the same time. You just need a horse in the race. Yeah, man. I, 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 my number two, like strongest narratives that I study the most and that I'm mostly into is Deepin, which AI falls into, and crypto gaming. When you look at what happened with ChatGPT and how quickly it was assimilated by society, everyone understands AI. It's a very easy concept, right? And so what's happening is, we don't have the hardware to back up how quickly AI is growing, right? It grows, I want to say 10x every 18 months. But the hardware, the NVIDIA chips, right? That everyone talks about those NVIDIA 1000s that especially do not rendering or graphics or gaming, but to do the language modeling, those chips get produced like in that same time period, 2x. So there's a shortage. So you see a real use case for decentralized GPU. That's why render has done so well, right? That's why you have all these content creators. I talked about it weeks ago on my call in the academy. And all of a sudden, all the content creators are coming out talking about IAther, IO.GPU, 
um, GPU.net, right? These are all projects that have partnerships with NVIDIA, that have access to those chips, that have some type of business model that rent out the GPUs, right? Because as people build language models, it's very data um, hungry, right? And they just don't have the hardware to support it. So it's a real use case. That's a utility, not to mention people just understand that, right? They, they can wrap their brain around. They see how NVIDIA has moved. NVIDIA destroyed its Q4 earnings, right? Remember we had that little dip in the market because everyone thought there's no way they're going to be able to meet expectations. They destroyed their expectations. Why? Because there's a chip shortage, right? And they're going to, until they can kind of come up to speed, they're going to continue to make a shit ton of money. So very, very strong narrative projects like Akash, Decentralized cloud computing, AOS, um, like you already said, render. There are tons of them that, that, that are going to continue to run. Now, everything shifts, right? I think AI is kind of starting to cool off. And the next narrative is DeFi products, right? Because of what happened with Uniswap over the weekend, you're going to see DeFi products. They're going to start to come out with their own governance proposals where they want to share revenue. And those projects are going to run. Absolutely, Gonzo. And I just want to point out something else as well. I wasn't basically saying that all of these projects are great and everybody should own them. I'm saying these are projects that I am investigating, not even invested in. I'm just reading about these projects, trying to figure out which ones I should have my horses in. And yeah, I do own a couple of these. And what I find to be really interesting about the concept for Singularity Net is the fact that it's creating a hub. It's creating like a location where you can get all of your different AI access. So if you're going to use an AI to generate a video, you can go to SingularityNet. If you're going to write a script, you can go to SingularityNet. If you're going to edit a document. So there's all of these different resources where you can connect different types of AI. That's a pretty cool project in my opinion. I also wanted to point out, this was another project I did some research on, Rose Network, sorry, Oasis Network, also known as the Rose Token. They're working with Meta. So that's another interesting idea. They received a grant from Meta. They received some money. They're building with them. There's nothing in depth to find because if there was, I'm sure it would be posted right on the center stage on their website. So there wasn't anything too groundbreaking going on there, but it's worth the connection. So I wanted to point it out. Gonzo, any closing thoughts on some tokens that you find to be interesting? We don't own these. Again, I just feel like this is the most valuable content we can provide. Um, I think it's, if you really look down into the AI, I think it's all about AI agents, right? So the projects that start discussing about what AI agents are, and those basically are just efficient models to go out and find data, right? So if I'm trying to sell a service and, you know, usually you either hire some company, marketing company to go out and send like mass emails to people, right? And then some of those people like your product, some of them don't, right? What an AI agent does is it collects all the data and it looks for specific people that have maybe searched. Let's say it's dog grooming, right? And if you have a dog grooming business, instead of blasting out all these different emails to different people that don't even have dogs, the AI agent gets created and it goes out and it searches for people that have maybe bought pet food or that have used dog grooming services. So it's very efficient. It's very specific. But that's really what they're trying to create with these language models, right? And they're very data intensive. But these AI agents is kind of where I see the future of AI going. Thank you, Gonzo. I appreciate that insight. And I'm just pulling up some cool information in the background as well, because we're about to go over Hedera for this portion of the episode. They're working with several Fortune 500 companies. And if you just look at their governing council, it's an exciting list. We got companies like Google, Boeing, Chainlink is on here somewhere. Chainlink is right there. We've also got IBM in the mix, Honda, and is also working with Hedera. So I just wanted to cover a couple massive partnerships. 
Hedera is going to be dominant when it comes to one specific thing, Gonzo, carbon emissions. That seems to be the topic of conversation here. Hedera is going to be working with not only IBM, but Honda and this company, EDF Official, to track carbon emissions using the Hedera blockchain. We've already seen these products integrated in Africa. And so, Andrew, what does it mean to you that sitting in 2024, we used to look at these partnerships and speculate, what could it mean that Google's working with them? What could it mean that IBM is working with Hedera? Well, now we're getting our answers. IBM, Honda, they're going to be using Hedera for carbon emissions technology. Do you think that could be profitable for people not only holding the Hedera token, but excited about the ecosystem itself? You know, um, HBAR is indeed a, speci a special blockchain. You know, it's not a sequential, but it is a D D, uh, uh, yeah, it is an asymmetric blockchain. So that, that, the block, that the blocks do not need to build up uh, in line, but they can be dependent in, in a specific graph. That's why it's called HBAR, HBAR, Hydera hash graph. So from that point of view, it's a very interesting blockchain. However, I think the narrative for uh, CO2 uh, emissions, is, is it allowed by our current governments and, and, and the major companies to do this in a decentralized way? I think they are more focused on keeping it centralized for themselves because they can make also a lot of money. And when it gets when it gets decentralized, of course, uh, HBAR is a very good candidate to to support it. And you see a lot of major companies also, uh, yeah, go, going and work with them. But will it really be the winner? We sh we should see. And I'm I'm not sure yet. But I think uh, for carbon emissions, first we will see some uh, uh, centralized in initiatives that will will be pushed to us by, by by sitting governments. And I hope that it will be decentralized because then also we get the visibility that we need. So is is those are those elite just flying with their airplanes, and we need to go by an, a, on on a bicycle, and we need to eat an uh, an insect burger, you know? And they are still eating uh, the the the, 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 the stakes. So I'm not sure what will happen, but indeed, very interesting developments. I want to ask the live chat guys, would they have to hold you down in order to get you to eat a cricket burger? Because they think we're going to do that willingly. We're going to have some tough conversations with Klaus Schwab in the future, Gonzo. But we got 575 people here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And since we're talking about this a little bit, let's just get into this article right here where WorldCoin is renowned for its interest in open AI. We're seeing AI projects skyrocket, but open AI is a company that is dominating the market right now, Gonzo. ChatGPT is something that got people's foot in the door. It's kind of like the Bitcoin for AI. You hear about AI because of ChatGPT. A lot of people just call AI ChatGPT if you're not focused on crypto. What is your, con what is your overall idea on the concept of WorldCoin? using people's biological data to correlate that with value on the blockchain. Look, we thought it was super creepy. We had talked about it. I kind of talked a little bit about it as an investment thesis because you needed that kind of proof of humanity. And as a trade, look, you don't, again, dude, you have to separate your investment thesis from some of these narratives because at the end of the day, with all that crazy talk, they funded the project and it ran really hard. And I think it was a great opportunity, right? It's up a couple hundred percent, right? Where else are you going to make a couple hundred percent? I'm not telling you that you have to marry WorldCoin or that you have to like, you know, hold it forever, but it's a hell of a move, right? Like you could have, you could have 
made a lot of money on WorldCoin. And if you didn't believe in it, you could have pulled profits and rolled them into HBAR, XRP, crypto gaming, paid bills, like whatever it is, right? And that's why I say, like, you have to have these investment thesis. And usually what we're finding and what we see is that these projects that get funded the most end up doing the bigger runs, right? Like we saw it time and time again, we saw it with WorldCoin, Solana. There are other projects that all of a sudden get fudded because of this or that. And then all of a sudden go on these extremely runs, right? The minute that Sam Altman came out and was saying that he was trying to raise $7 trillion for that new fund or for that new project or whatever he was doing, um, it just kind of kicked off AI season. And remember last year, we kind of had an AI season and it cooled off. So the time to get into AI, when we talk, we're telling you about AI projects, don't get into them right now, right? They're way overheated. Wait, create your watch list. And again, everything's going to shift, right? Like DeFi is starting to shift. Crypto gaming's coming back. AI will cool off again. We're going to get some type of correction. Those are the times that you want to kind of start dollar cost averaging in and then kind of ride the next wave up, right? But um, like just on the technical level, it made a hell of a move, right? It made a lot of people a lot of money. Here's what I would say too, Gonzo, is that if Bitcoin pulls back 20, 30%, these altcoins, including the AI sector, is going to bleed 40, 50, 60% just using data from prior cycles. So nobody has a crystal ball and knows what happened. But my estimate would be if you're looking at, um, I mean, let me just pull this up one last time. And I know we're crushing the AI content this morning, but think about this for all of our listeners. AI in particular, October of last year is when we really saw this market explode. This token is just a great example going from about $1.50 to 825. We had near protocol, we had fetch AI, we had many of these currencies just explode and they're the exact same projects that they were 6 months ago. So what that tells me is one of two things. Oh, go ahead, Gonza. I was going to say, dude, we we talk we we've been talking I've been talking about render for so long. I think I gave it to the Warrior Academy somewhere between 40 and 60 cents. It went to $8, bro. That's a hell of a move. I think it's going to 12, right? Like I'm looking at 12 to start pulling like some profits. Right. I pulled a little bit of profit, but more profits at $12 to roll those over because it'll back test the next support. But I mean, think about that, dude. It's a hell of a move. That's the whole point here, Gonzo, is that these projects are basically the exact same thing they were six months ago when they were valued at $1.35. But now that they're valued at $7.50, everybody says, oh, should I be buying AGIX? Should I be buying Render? These are the conversations that we're having. When this market pulls back, know which projects you want to accumulate. Gonzo, the last thing I'll say here in regards to the hopium and the, and the AI thing is that this is a great, it's it's like a smaller version of what will happen during genuine altcoin season. Everyone gets FOMO. They don't want to buy Chainlink at $18. They want to buy it at $65, hoping it goes to 200, right? Buy the projects that haven't pumped yet because this market moves in liquidity waves and AI is just one of the first liquidity waves to be hit in this sector. I don't know if I put that totally smooth there, but you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. And we got 602 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Andrew Cashflow, did you have any closing comments before we get into our next article? Absolutely. Um, I always say, if you start investing, just like you, you in my program, you know, I'll teach you everything. My students make money all the time. But if you want to invest in a smaller coin, no more than two to $500. And then secondly, if the coin if the coin makes a 10x, sell 10% of your tokens. That means if the coins go from uh, 10x, then at least you get your own money out. 
Yeah? And because you only invest two to five hundred dollars, it doesn't matter if it goes to zero, you know. But if it really pumps, get out your money and then let let it fly. And then maybe at, at, at the 12 or 15 or, or 16x, you, you start taking money and uh, taking profits again. And that's how you work with the altcoins, because we also know all those altcoins, 90 to 99 percent will go to zero. You know, it, it's a pity, but that that's what it is. So, you know, diversify a little bit, no more than two to five hundred in, in an altcoin. And watch watch your holdings and, and, and take your profits on the way up. And, and for an altcoin, you can say, okay, the 10x rule, uh, sell 10% when the coin makes a, a 10x, you know, and then you're pretty good. You can even put that already as a limit order into your into your broker account and, 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 and go from there because then you sleep well, you know, and you don't yep. get tempted if you see what's happening. They say, hmm, I wait a little bit longer. I wait a little bit longer. And then you are always too late. Can I add something, Abs? Look guys find a couple narratives that are really strong maybe like two projects in the a few two to three narratives if you don't have a lot of time that you find conviction in dollar cost average and then just wait right because we don't have crystal balls i think we're going to get a correction in march that's what i lean towards to do but if we don't and this thing runs like if they send it sooner they send it harder and then it just happens faster you have to have a plan. That's what it really all comes down to. Have a plan. If we get the correction of what projects you want a dollar cost, have a plan that if they send this thing sooner and we never get that correction, that you have a plan to scale out, right? Because maybe Bitcoin runs first and it runs hard like it usually does. And it happens sooner. That liquidity is going to roll into other projects, right? And so you're able to pull profits and kind of roll things over. But it really comes down to have a plan right and whether it goes down or goes up if you have a plan you'll be able to act because people i feel like sometimes they wait for a correction that never comes and then what usually happens is the market takes off on them and now they're chasing green candles right then they get trapped at the top and they get wrecked right but if you have a plan you have a watch list you wait for like the correction if it comes you dollar cost average but you already have your projects that you've been building right if they run really hard like Andrew saying you pull your profits and you either use it for your life if you need to, because everybody's different, right? Your investment thesis is different than mine, right? Best advice I ever got from Andrew. I, I made uh, not tons of money, but I made some money on DYM on that airdrop. And Andrew was like, hey, make sure like you pull profits. I'm so glad I did, right? Because on one of those red days, I rolled half of those projects. I, I put half that I staked, the other half I put into a new project that is now running. So I've now taken that half of that that airdrop and now kind of doubled and tripled what that dollar value was, right? So just have a plan. And if you have a plan, you're going to be okay. And that's why we created Merlin, right? So that you have an edge strategy. So you don't have to be like me. I just love it, right? I stare at the charts all day because I love to, not because I need to, but most people can't do that. And so that's why we created something like Merlin so that you can create an exit strategy and you don't have to worry about it. It'll send you a text message and then you'll know when you, when you're, you're, you're reaching your exit price and then you can go ahead and just execute the sale. Right. But just have yeah. a plan. Another thing I would add to you guys is if you're playing with leverage, always be careful. One of the things that you have to note in this market is that if you don't take profit, you will get crushed. If you're up $300 and you think this is how, you know, you should take profit when you're up $300 and you think 
can I make a thousand? Take profit. That is the exact question that somebody who needs to take profit will ask themselves. And I'm only speaking from experience because that's just one of those things where it's the same concept. Bitcoin goes to 50 grand. It's the road to 100. Bitcoin goes to 100 grand. It's the road to 200. XRP goes to 50 cents. It's the road to a dollar. XRP gets to a dollar. It's the road to five. So it's like, it's just one of those concepts that you retail investors do to themselves. And I've fallen for that mistake many, many times before. But Gonzo, there's a couple interesting articles I wanted to cover as well in regards to opportunities being out there. But let's just talk about what narratives are on the horizon for 2024. Is there any particular narrative that you see that, you know, maybe hasn't taken place yet, but is exciting from your perspective? Uh, like I said, D-Pin, it looks like file storage finally took off. Like we were talking about that a few weeks ago. Remember when we were talking about Filecoin? It was at five something, dude. It went up to eight. So just like that D-Pin narrative, right? There's so many different projects in D-Pin. Like I focus on AI, the GameFi space, right? Part of the GameFi space is like the gambling projects. There, there's so many, but like my top two are going to be the GameFi, which like the gaming studios, right? Which is like the supers of the world, Beam, um, Miria, Gala. Gala's been like, it was down for a while. Now it kind of, it's up 10%, I think this morning, Right. So uh, Gala, playable games, They're, you know, the thing with the games is like, you have to like play the game and kind of be in the ecosystem to know, uh, like, you know, I know Johnny like shrapnel, Cedify is becoming a launch pad. Uh, that's another thing too. Like if you can get in to these pre-sales or kind of ICO coins that are like kind of crypto gaming, usually like if you have Cedify and you stake in their launch pad, paid is another one. Uh, I think Moby is another one. Uh, you know, where you could stake some tokens and get into some pre-sale where you only put in a little bit of money. If those yeah. projects run, also, they Gonzo, run very hard. Because uh, we're getting like really technical here. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand how DeFi even works because because so many of the unique terms. I wanted to address this comment right here. It says, I'm not here for $300 profit. I'm here for life-changing wealth, DCA. Guys, this is what I'm talking about. Like you have a trading portfolio, which is $500. And then you have your long-term portfolio where you accumulate your crypto assets. Just because I make $300 on a Sunday trading an altcoin doesn't mean I don't have the exact same crypto portfolio sitting on a private ledger. So these are completely different strategies. Don't get confused. I'm not talking about making $300 after you held five years. I'm talking about entering a trade at 12 PM, being up 400 by 4 PM and saying, can I make another 400? You're getting greedy. Take some profit. That's pretty much what I was getting at. Gonzo, let's just move forward here because we do have some interesting topics to cover. Andrew, I'd love for, to start with this. A little bit less serious. MicroStrategies just bought another 3,000 Bitcoin. Average price of $51,800. They're currently holding over 193,000 Bitcoin, valued at about $10 billion. And their average buy price, 31544 Pretty interesting. Any thoughts? This is, this is insane. I mean, this guy is Michael Saylor. He must make so much money that he has so much money available to buy so much Bitcoin. And I mean, and actually, Mike, Michael Saylor, he did a very good job in the past years because he was really the evangelist for Bitcoin. He was talking all the time about Bitcoin, although everybody was bashing him and he was, he was wrong and, you know, see what, what happened. He, he is, he's a smart guy, but still, this guy must own a lot, a lot of money with his, uh, with his, software, with his software company. So uh, I, I love him and I, I admire his, his courage to do this already 
for years. I mean, I also have a lot of Bitcoin, but uh, not 193,000. My goodness. Andrew, if you have even 193 Bitcoin, you're going to be one wealthy guy going forward. Gonzo, give me some quick thoughts on Michael Saylor, and then we'll get into a new article. Yeah, man. I mean, the guy has his convictions, right? And, and you can't confuse it because it's a lot different than the spot ETF guys, right? Because those are Wall Street guys. Those are going to pull profits. When Michael says, tells you that he's not going to sell, he's probably not going to sell. We haven't seen any evidence of him selling. So I think he's going to continue to hold and it's going to continue to bring value to his company, right? Like when you look at micro strategies, the only the only thing that I think about is what, what made micro strategies valuable, not just holding Bitcoin, but it was because for the Wall Street guys, the way they got exposure to Bitcoin was through micro strategies, right? Now they have the spot ETF. So that'll be interesting, right? Something to pay attention to, but don't get it twisted. Like MicroStrategy is a super valuable company. It's going to continue to make money. Agreed, Gonzo. And it's pretty funny how quickly things can change, whether it's Bitcoin or CBDCs, whatever it is. These opinions, they're not set in stone. And if 2019, 2020 showed me anything, social norms can definitely be broken. We could be sitting here in 2030 where the majority of transactions are done in crypto just because the banks force a change upon us in 2028. We really have no idea how quickly things can change. And I just wanted to play this brief video reminding you guys of the Ripple partners here. Bank of America is sitting at the top and front and center. We've also got Tranglo, SABB here, some of the biggest companies on the planet. Let's have a listen. Here we go. see a lot of names here for the types of organizations that Ripple has partnered with so far that are, uh, are regulated financial institutions. I've explained how, how we've started to grow and uh, I'll call out a few in um, relevant to our region. Hey, ha, money transfer, our remittance business in Australia. And um, they can reach all over the world through regulated payout partners like uh, MFS Africa, who cover the whole continent and pay out locally in local currency. We have um, banks that we work with like, uh, like Travelex Bank in Brazil, and uh, an indecent in India. So again, the whole spectrum of, uh, of money movers are connected to the Ripple network today. The interesting, Gonzo, when you talk about Ripple being a hub for payment companies, as well as payments in and of themselves, what's your biggest takeaway here that we're sitting here after the lawsuit and Ripple is still a public partner of Bank of America? Yeah, you know, we hope that it's good, right? Because we continue to see these partnerships, we continue to see them build. Uh, but like you know, David Schwartz had said, the adoption for the payment system isn't what they thought was. So I think it's a good thing that they're diversifying. For Ripple, the company, I think it's going to absolutely crush it, right? There's a reason why we're into Ripple IPO, because as a company, I believe they're going to be like an Amazon or a Google when it comes to the finance world and payments world and all of that. Does that translate to XRP? I think eventually it will, right? We just need that narrative, right? I keep talking about it. Wait until they go public. Even though it's two separate entities, the minute they announce they're going to go public, people are going to pour into XRP because again, it's an attention market and people get, especially in a bull run, people get very irrational. And it doesn't matter that XRP is not Ripple and Ripple's not XRP. If they go public in the middle of the bull run, it's going to push the price action up. And remember this, Andrew, just a few months ago when the lawsuit ended, people thought American demand would enter the market for XRP. We even had people like Stuart Alderati saying this, Ripple is confident U.S. banks will start wanting to use XRP for cross-border transactions. 
after the judge gave a firm, uh, after the judge gave the firm a partial victory in its win against the SEC. So I thought that was interesting that Stuart Alderati, the lead lawyer for Ripple, would be making comments like that. What's your biggest takeaway on XRP's adoption after this lawsuit? And the fact Bank of America is still here, but we haven't seen any utility in the USA. Actually, you know, you, you, you guys, you were talking about, I have my big bags and I have my small bags. You know, I have my big bag XRP sitting there in a wallet, fine. But after the lawsuit was done, XRP jumped up. So I sold some XRP and then it went down again. And then I bought again in and then we saw it go up again. So I sold on the way up. So and then it went down again. So I'm now I'm did now this game already three times in a row in in, in in half a year. You know, I made a lot of additional money with that. Just why? Because of a strategy. We, we call it the PCA treat strategy in the in the program. That's the price cost average strategy. Exactly the entry point and the exit points are defined. Switch off your emotion and with your eyes closed, do what you get told by the calculators and take your go in and take your profits all the time and repeat it. And you know, and it, it's so much fun. Put your orders in in uh, uh, in advance, and you can go to bed. And the next morning you see, oh. I make this money, I made that money, or I bought again. And it doesn't matter if a crypto or a stock goes up or down, because according to the strategy, if it goes up, you make money. And if it goes down, you can buy more for cheaper price. And that 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 brings so much emotional rest. They think I'm always good. You know, you never buy too expensive, and you 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 also never never sell at the top, but nobody can sell at the top, but at least you know. You make your profits, and and that gives you know a lot of relief in life and a lot of joy that you can do additional stuff with your money because the most money you make with your big bags. But this is the fun to playing in in this uh, in this area. It's a it's a like of it's, it's a casino with no zeros or a lottery uh, with no zeros. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it, Andrew. We got 580 people here, guys. If you enjoyed this show, show us some love. Smash that like button. Special thank you to Gonzo and Mr. Cashflow this morning. This was the live chat question that we asked people today. Do you believe BlackRock and Ripple have discussed the idea of a US XRP ETF? 85% of our listeners believe yes. And I did just want to play that video once again to close out today's episode, Gonzo. Let me just see if we have the time. We got eight minutes. I mean, sorry, we got about two minutes here. Bear with me for our listeners. We're going to play about 30 seconds of this Robbie Michnick video. Here we go. And Robbie Michnick at BlackRock. He's a young kid. He came into BlackRock with the idea of creating a Bitcoin ETF. He orange-pilled Larry. And I'm going to give Larry a lot of credit because Larry actually did the homework. Larry did the reversal. Larry was on the road to Damascus and converted as a result of being steeped in understanding exactly what it was and why it will be an international store of value. So Larry Fink was able to figure it out when it comes to Bitcoin, Gonzo. It's only a matter of time when it comes to XRP, or at least that's what we're hoping for, guys. But I just want to give a special thank you to each one of our special guests. I want to say thank you to Gonzo, thank you to Andrew Cashflow, and thank you to the 561 live listeners we got here. If you enjoyed this content, 
show us some love, smash that like button, be sure to subscribe. We got Brad Kimes joining us this Wednesday. That's going to be another exciting show. We love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get the shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us.